hello listeners, and thank you for tuning in to RLT's podcast. It's been a while since we've released an episode of our podcast because we've been shut down due to COVID-19. But in this time where we're taking a pause on productions, we thought it would be fun to introduce a new series for our podcast called RLT Stories. So this will be a time for us to interview some of our longstanding volunteers and talk about their history with the company. For this first episode, I got to sit down with David and Judy Wilkinson to talk about their over four decades of experience volunteering for RLT. It's a great conversation. You'll learn a ton that you may not have known about the organization, and I can't wait for you to listen to it. Remember, if you can like or subscribe to our podcast on the platform where you like to listen to your podcast, that would be really helpful for us. Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy my interview. All right, so I'm here with David and Judy Wilkinson. Hi, how are you both? Doing Hello, well. Patrick, how are you? I'm doing well. It's good to see you. So we're starting a new, um, I guess you can call it a program podcast here, where it's called RLT Stories, where we um, we just realized that, especially in this time when we have been shut down and uh, we're not producing a lot of shows right now, we started thinking about the stories that belong here and the people and the stories that people have to tell. And uh, we thought, why don't we like, take a record of those we should like put those on tape somewhere um and so uh we're excited to start doing that and, and you were the first two people i thought of when um <laughs> uh, heather approached me about the idea i said well we'll talk to david and judy first so great thank you for agreeing to do it yeah absolutely let's start with um your what brought you to rlt what's the first moment that you you kind of walked in what was that story judy before we started recording you were just telling me a little bit of that story can you tell us i started us? in 1974 i looked it up my first show was Hello, Dolly. And I used to work at First Citizens at Cameron Village. And someone from the theater had come in and was talking about the theater and backstage night. And, and, and another teller was a performer, and she, Gina, Gina Massel Castator. So we both came to backstage night to see what was going on. And I've been here ever since. Oh, that's amazing. What did you do on Hello, Dolly? Costume shop. I, I can sew. And I have donated my sewing machine to the theater. Did Jenny tell you that? Yeah, I see your name on the on the sewing machine <laughs> that's down there. But your mom was a sewer too, yes? My mother was also a sewer, yes. My mother was also a dancer too. If you ever come over to my house, there's a picture of my mother. <laughs> in, in, in doing her dance moves. In her leotard, you know, she, was t- she could tap dance. Now, did you get her involved here? Because I no. know she, didn't well, she work here? It's, no, she, it was my mother that worked your here. Your mother, and, okay. Yeah, it was my mother, Jean Wilkinson, who uh, That's Judy, right. Judy brought her over here. My mom retired. She in, loved to sew. Yeah, my mom retired uh, uh, 1990, I think, or the early 90s. And so for her to have something to do, Judy decided, and she, my mother was a, a accomplished seamstress. So uh, Judy brought her over here, and she became a regular very quickly because she just lived a couple of miles from yeah. here, and uh, it was within her driving range. <laughs> <laughs> but I started here, and uh, my first show was Bye Bye Birdie in 1968. I was a mere child at the time. <laughs> but the, the Millers of— He lived the, around the corner from the Millers. The Glenn, Glenn, Miller. Glenn Miller and his son, Chris Miller— well, and Jerry Miller, uh, Chris's mom. Anyway, the whole family was involved over here, and uh, they brought me over. And I started, like I said, my first show was Bye Bye Birdie. I did scene, scenery, painted, uh, helped build 
and I don't think I ran anything in the show, but I, I helped build some of the set. And that was my first time here, and I it, I caught the fever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was I think I was 14 years old at the time. So and I've been here on and off. Haven't haven't been involved in every show by any means, but I've been here on and off for over 50 years. I'll have to figure it out, but it's been a while. That's incredible. Can you and, tell? Oh, go ahead. And we are the concession queen and the popcorn prince. I know. We'll get there. I want to talk about that uh, soon. Can y'all just for some of the, you know, we have some new volunteers, some new folks who don't know who the Millers are. Can you tell us a little bit about the Millers? Well, Glenn and Jerry Miller were a couple. Uh, Glenn, uh, they moved here to Raleigh when IBM moved in in the mid-60s, came to, to the Research Triangle Park in the mid-60s. And they were both involved with community theater back in New York where they moved from. So I, I'm not sure if they knew that they were moving close to, and they lived just off of Wade Avenue, which is just a couple of miles from here. I'm not sure whether they knew the theater was here beforehand or they searched it out. But anyway, they became quite involved, particularly Glenn. He was uh, involved. He acted. He did technical work. He's the one that brought Al Wolfheimer into the theater. Um, who was uh, Al is another whole story. But uh, they worked. They volunteered here for the whole time they lived here and uh glenn passed away in 1978 i believe it was and uh but it, him and chris were the ones that brought me over here as i mentioned earlier and um chris eventually left to go to school and Paige was a, a his sister she was also involved here she eventually left to go to school but Glenn worked here until he passed away, and Jerry ultimately moved back to D.C. where she was grew up. Um, but uh, Glenn, the Glenn Miller Technical Service Award was named after him. And as it turns out, I was the first recipient of that award in 1978, I believe it was. And uh, they've been those awards have been been given every year since oh wow and i'm pleased to be the first one yeah that's amazing what a what an interesting kind of story that they brought you here and then you get the first ever award exactly, named after him. that's exactly. but then great. we met here i know and that's my next me. question you were you said 1974 right. was your first time here mm-hmm. 1968 was your right. first time David. I, I said i was here ever since that's not totally true when i went when i started college i left for a few years and I came back, and I went back to Glenn, and I said, I want to go back over to the theater. This was about 1974 or 73. Yeah, no, 74. And uh, I came over here, and that was Fiddler on the Roof. Marlene Hart was the technical director then, and Judy was here. And I, lights. I came in, and, and Glenn introduced me to everybody again. And that's when Judy and I met. And I ran, I did the scenery and, and road, uh, running crew at that time for that show. She did lights. And as they say, the rest is history for us. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about that, though. Like, so you, you both signed up for Fiddler on the Roof. You didn't, did you know, you didn't know each other before then? No. All right. So, so when do you start to kind of like notice each other? 
What's the, what's the, he's six foot two. <laughs> so he, he sort of stands out. He stands out. I'm five foot two. I sort of mingle in. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, I, but I don't, I don't even remember when we met. I do remember seeing him and noticing that he was tall, but he was working backstage and I was working lights at the time. Well, she caught my eye. She was, I thought and still do that. She was a cute, cute girl on stage. Right. Uh-huh. You know? And, uh, Back then, uh, we we would all go out. I guess it, st- it still happens today, but we would all go out in groups, and we would have cast parties after the shows on weekends, and after rehearsals, we'd go out to. Back then, it was the players' retreat was where you would go um, quite often. Uh, I'm sure the the places have changed over the years, but players' retreat. Over off on Oberlin Road was the place to go, so we would go out in groups, and then ultimately we ended up going to a movie or two. And uh, I'd have to stop and think about (laughs) how things progressed after that. But ultimately, ultimately we ended up getting uh, we ended up getting married. Obviously, that's been we just celebrated. Yeah, we just celebrated our thirty eighth anniversary. So it's been a while. And we share the same anniversary date as Bob and Liz Dean. Also two really prominent volunteers. Yes. And people who- I met Bob my second show. And I was working stage crew at the time. And he was in, it was 40 Carats. And I was working stage crew on that show. And that's when I met Bob. And we've, we've been friends ever since. And like I said, we have the same uh, anniversary date. And um, he was one of the readers. And he and, he and Newell Tarrant were one of the readers when we got married. At, we got married at Our Lady of Lourdes. Mm. But then when, when Bob Dean retired, he and I went out for breakfast, I, and I was retired too. We went to breakfast at Brugger's at North Hills. Mm-hmm. And as, as I'm getting ready to leave, he says, see you next week. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we went to breakfast every Tuesday for I don't know how many years. Oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't always Brugger's. I didn't realize when well, we started going to Biscuitville. Well, see, Bob would use Judy as his, his means of keeping up with what was going on at the theater. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She was always telling him, well, this is going on, this is happening, so-and-so did this. and He was always interested. Yeah, he just didn't do that much acting anymore. Um, but that's when I met him. He was doing 40 carrots at the time, and I was doing the costumes for it. Wow. Yeah, and you just so those are relationships that you had for so long. I mean, I know we just lost Bob this year. Yes. Right. Um, so so that many years and that big of a friendship. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I'm still in touch with people. I mean, I, I know I don't do as much as I used to do at the theater. Mm-hmm. I don't do anything like I used to do at the theater. But um, there's a group of us that get together. Well, because of the virus, you don't get together every month. But there's a group of us that we all, all met at the theater that we get together once a month for dinner. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, that's kind of what, for me, like the a community theater should be about. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you both. Uh, so you so you meet each other, Fiddler on the Roof, like there's a romance that gets kindled and you get married. Um, talk to us a little bit about, because your wedding had a lot of RLT players, like offici- like they're not officiating, but they were there, right? So well, tell us a little but, bit about the wedding. Well, we got married at Our Lady of Lords. Mm-hmm. And um, Bob Dean did one of the readings and Newell Tarrant, who was the director at that time, did the other reading. And then our reception was held in the Tarrant's backyard. And so, and it was pretty much all a theater group. Well, Steve Curry, who at that time was was the technical director here, he was one of the groomsmen. Larry Hensley, who's a a volunteer, I think Jim Maney. 
fact, Larry Hensley, we just talked with him on the, uh, was it? Yeah, on the phone. I talked to him in the last week or two. He, he, he and his wife are now living in New York, but he was a, a big time volunteer. Uh, let's see who else was at our um, Mary Fran Lyman, who, for those of you who might be old enough, don't know if there's any of you guys left around. She was on my wedding book. See who signed she up. Was, she was at our wedding. She, if you go back through the, the theater archives, you'll see her name written in and her photographs. She loved to be photographed. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember somebody asked her one. They were rehearsing on stage for some show that Mary was in. And some young girl, some newbie actor, asked her where center stage was. And Mary turned to her and says, wherever I am. <laughs> So <laughs> that's a good answer. That's a good answer. <laughs> you get a, a small idea of what kind of a, a person Mary was. We all loved her, but she was a she was a, a, a trip sometimes. That's amazing. So it was almost like like a production crew was at your wedding, precisely. <laughs> oh, really? It, it was. Yeah, and that um, was almost all theater people. Well, yeah. we both had people from our work. And we both had uh, the theater people, and of course, family. But uh, if you weren't, if you weren't family, or if you weren't from work, you were from the theater. Hmm. And what work you were at? You were at First Citizens, mm-hmm. you said. And what work were at you the, doing, David? At the time, I was working in a company called Aeroglide, which is still here, oddly enough, out at, out towards Cary. And I'll throw this in: I worked with a man called Sean Fitzsimmons. Mm-hmm who was Haskell's brother. Mm-hmm. And during that period, the theater was looking for a new director. And I was talking with Has- I was talking with Sean one day about the theater. And, and uh, Sean said, well, you know, my brother, who at the time was up in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. I think it was University of Wisconsin. Anyway, he was up, up in Wisconsin. And he was apparently i hear this and i hear this through sean he was kind of complaining about how cold it was and miserable <laughs> and he was ready to come home and i said well sean tell him that the theater old theater is looking looking for a new director he ought to apply for it so as i understand from sean later on um he did contact his brother said get your resume in and you know apply for that job and I heard this years and years later, but apparently uh, Haskell, I don't know what the reasoning was, but he, apparently he did not act immediately. And his brother later on says, well, what have you done? Have you sent your resume in? Have you applied for it? And he says, no, I really didn't. And Sean said, get your butt in gear and get going there. <laughs> and so Sean, or, uh, uh, Haskell did send his resume in. He got a phone call, said, come talk to us. And as they say, the rest is history. He they ultimately got hired and was here. Didn't for, he pick him up at the airport? Yeah, Judy and I went out to the airport when he arrived for his interview, and we were the ones that brought him back in. And as I recall, his brother at the time was living in Cary. So he, we took him to his brother's house, and he stayed there while he was visiting for his interview. And, uh, of course, he was hired, and he was here 30-some years, yeah. I believe. That's amazing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. How one one thing leads to another. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's great. Well, let's talk about as the years go by. You you all are 
I know that you all have done everything there kind of is to do at this theater. Um, except we have never appeared on stage. You, yeah, that's going to say, but you've not except appeared on stage. I did one time. Over, David, I didn't know that. I didn't either. Well, I'll, just, I'll run my mouth some more and describe it to you. There were, do. We were doing a production of Arsenic and Old Lace. Mm. I don't remember. And for those of you that remember the storyline, there are two spinster sisters that that kill off a bunch of men, as it turns out, that come to the come to the door and they buried them in their basement. Well, the storyline goes on as as normal, but at the end of the show, uh, th- and I think we only did this for one performance. Opening night. It was opening night, and. They had contacted a number of notable people in in the city, and I guess they had to fill in with the lesser lesser of us too. <laughs> lesser more. I believe there were thirteen bodies, if, if memory serves. Uh-huh. I think that's right. So during curtain call, they had thirteen bodies come up, take a curtain, take a bow at curtain call. There was, if I remember right, there was the mayor of Raleigh at the time. There was Ira David Wood from Theater in the Park. Oh my gosh. Uh, and probably a few more notable people. But anyway, I was one of the bodies that made took a curtain call. And <laughs> that's, uh, awesome. that's my one time on stage. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. But how did let's get to like, you know, um, I don't know if a lot of people know you have you have a building named after you here. Right. So let's talk about how you to just talk us, walk us through the journey of how you become like concession king and queen. I was dumb. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? Well, I mean, the reason I have the car I have now is because I was the one that was going out and buying the concessions and the ice and that kind of stuff. I don't know. I just started like I'm the concession queen and he's the popcorn prince. We even have shirts that say that. But um, I just became the person that was doing the concessions, you know, buying, doing the buying. And it was something that was taking off the, the office people. Yeah. Well, the, to fill in a tad, there again, this would have been, and I can't come up with the year exactly. There was a period of several years when there were basically five. This was back when RLT only did five productions a, a season. Mm-hmm. And Judy May, Larry Hensley, Becky Johnson, Becky Beatty. Yes. One, two, three. That might, that might be five. Anyway. We were doing almost 100% of the, of the backstage, backstage work. Stuff. John Hodges was the technical director at that time. We had done every production for uh, several years, and we were just worn out. Mm-hmm. So we decided to take a break, and I, I guess they had to hustle a little bit to get some new volunteers in, for at least for backstage. And then ultimately, and I'll, let you, I'll have to look it up, but the... The, at that time, there was no concessions served yeah. at, at RLT. But then, when they redid the the uh, amphitheater, the well, the amphitheater and the uh, it wasn't called it was called the main stage at the time, but the Sutton lobby was redone. They added a concession counter then. Mm. So that's when concessions really started taking off at RLT, and Judy kind of took the horse by the reins or whatever. And she, stupid. she, she was the one that kind of led all that up. She did all the shopping and the arranging and yeah. getting the volunteers for it. it. Initially, it was more outdoor stuff, but then, like I said, when the 
when the uh, when concession the stand at the lobby opened we up. We used to carry tables out. And we didn't have the concession stand at that time. And that really, I forget whose idea that was. I don't know. I don't remember, mm -hmm. but it was probably Wolf. Mm -hmm. Because I remember standing there and, and deciding what needed to be done. Because, um, well, I can remember going into in the concession stand when they were building it because we were getting the popcorn maker and Wolf had other plans mm -hmm. as to where we we're going to put stuff. And I'm like, because we can put the popcorn maker right here. And you're like, no, that's where we're putting the, the shelves, Wolf. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was that kind of stuff. But we really just needed it. Yeah. I mean, just because to try and run concessions out there, just trying to carry things out every time and cleaning it up every night was just. Yeah. Well, like she says, initially, even before the concessions and technical building was out there, we would, like she said, we would drag things out, set them up there for every show and then haul them back. And then um, Steve Zaytoon actually was able to get us a, a, a little trailer. So we were able to park the trailer out there a, a trailer that you could lock up and, uh, and mm -hmm. close up. So we were able to pull all our tables and our equipment, whatever we had out there. Uh, and initially, when we had our popcorn maker out there, uh, I believe Eleanor uh, Jordan at the time was able to get us a, a large, one of these large generators you, you see alongside of the road mm -hmm. with a light on it. <laughs> so we would, we had had that out there with a light and then we would run the generator to run the popcorn machine off of. So everything was, you, you haul it out at the, at the beginning and pack it away at the end. So ultimately between Wolfheimer and uh, um, all the other. Uh, we just needed something more stable. So yeah. that we could leave out there and not have to carry it in. We got the building out every night. We got the building out there. Yeah, that's amazing. And 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 thank goodness we have it. And you know, I just can't imagine, you know, I know that Judy, you're saying you were just you were dumb and you started doing it. Um, but it was like something that even you know, because you just recently stopped doing it. So the I'm number just take the heat anymore. Yeah, right. But the number of years that you you two did that, I mean, you think about how many people um, it just kind of contributed to their experience here and how much money it raised for the theater to be selling concessions and all that hard work. I mean, you know, well, you two and, have and given I had so volunteers much. volunteers that worked. I could count on them every summer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's made such a huge difference. And, you, I mean, you two, all of the hours you put in and, on, you know, of course, you know, your, your donors and the money and, like, I don't know, you keep this place going, that's for sure. Y'all have mentioned a couple times um, Wolf. Um, and I know most people who are associated with Raleigh Little Theater know him, but we do have a lot of new volunteers who might not. So talk about how you met Al Wolfheimer and then all of the stuff that y'all did together. First of all, Albert D. Wolfheimer was a very good friend of Glenn Miller. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that, that Glenn's the one who brought him here. Yeah. But, but Wolf was a mechanical genius. I mean, electrically and everything else. He just was good at that. And he had his own theater in his house. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was, you know, and well, because we, you know, when, when we would do the movies, were we using his theater? Yeah. We were using his cameras, I think. When the, uh, the outdoor building was first built, uh, the intent was to have movies out there. Mm -hmm. And Wolf ordered a, uh, a large movie screen. I think it was 20 by 30, if oh, I'm yeah. not mistaken. Tell this story, David. Well, at that time, that particular summer, I was 
out of work. I'm not, I don't recall the, the exact circumstances, but I had some spare time on my hand. And my, my uh, contribution was to come in on a Friday evening. I guess it was a Friday. No, it was a Friday afternoon or maybe it was Friday morning. I would assemble the, the tube framing, tie the, the screen onto the framing, and then, and then other people would show we up. would have the uh, <laughs> the crew from the Rose Garden. They would assemble at quarter till 12 or something like that. And there would be like 10 people raising this thing up. And, and the TD at the time uh, had worked out a system for, for standing this thing up vertically. And it was a humongous screen. But it took several people to get it up in the air and it had been known to take off and land in the audience too <laughs> um like a sail like a wind. but al al had uh al had he was his his passion was movies in fact as a kid or as a youngster he would up in pennsylvania he would travel around with a projector and a screen and set it up and i guess charge admission for people to come watch movies he would travel around and do this and that was a, a passion of his that he kept his whole life. So, like Judy mentioned, he uh, he had built. He lived in North Hills. He built a theater on the side of his uh, house. In fact, uh, I understand when they made the movie Brainstorm here in the Triangle area. It was a movie with Natalie Wood. They would do the rushes. Somebody contacted him and asked him if he would uh, be willing to to use his equipment to show the rushes at the end of the day. And wow. from what I understand, at first he said no, but then they talked him into it. And uh, he did it. They, the, the, the director and whoever would come over and he would show the rushes for that day. But uh, he, he provided all the two projectors and all the equipment associated with it out in the, uh, our building there in the amphitheater. And initially... He uh, he would run run the movies there. If I'm not mistaken, I think in the second floor hallway there's a uh, up on the wall there's a uh, memorial I wrote for Wolf during his, for his uh, memorial here after he passed. And uh, one of the things I had written in there was about him coming to the theater that that. Uh, Glenn Miller brought him here, and uh, I think I mentioned, unfortunately, I could not, for the life of me, remember the first time I'd ever met Wolf, but I do know it was probably when I was standing out there on that stage, and uh, is when we first met, and at the time, I suspect Al was probably in his 40s, and I was a teenager, and uh, we formed a lifelong friendship from that point forward and uh it was something that i'll never regret mm. yeah but, he's uh, done so much i mean you know I, we wouldn't have half the offices we have downstairs exactly I mean, he built no. all of that right i i think in my little <laughs> memorial i commented that i believe every piece of every brick piece of wood and wire in this building alice probably touched at some point uh, the stage floor that's there today is there because of him. Uh, the trap door in that stage is there because of him. 
I think it's still there. The uh, the mechanism that's used to raise and lower the trap door, the the platform that for the trap door is something he came up with. Uh, a lot of the lighting, I believe it's some of it anyway, is still in use today. I know over the years he had a lot to do with. Uh, updating and upgrading the lighting for the theater. The sound was his specialty. Um, a good bit of that over the years was due to him. Um, and he would check in. He would come by the theater, maybe not every day, but several times a week just to see how things were going. Mm -hmm. And everybody would, you know, was always glad that he was here. And, yeah, he kept uh, an eye on everything. And I mean everything. Mm -hmm. He really did. He could be grumpy as could be, but he he loved the theater. Yeah, and similar to to you all, like just the I'm hours, the number of hours. I mean, <laughs> I don't mean that. I just mean the number of hours invested into this place is is un, it's just uncountable. Well, is that one last thing? As I recall, uh, like I said, Glenn brought Al over here, and I believe the reason he brought him over was the the um, the production at the time, whose name slips my mind needed a, a special effect and it was the the effect was somebody was to throw a knife and have it stick into a, a wooden wall or something like that and al came up with a mechanism that would the the actor would palm it would throw the knife but palm it and then there was a a, a device that would shoot a the the tail end of the knife back out of the wall and just sit there and it would you know wang 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 and uh, that was the special effect that that Glenn brought Al in, and he he took it he took it on and built the mechanism at home and brought it in and mounted it, and it worked flawlessly for the run of the show. Yeah, and then and then just got stuck here for years and, and years. And years. <laughs> what would you to kind of what would you say to people who are um, thinking about volunteering here? What would you say to them? You'll meet a lot of friends. Yeah. And you meet a lot of family, for that matter. I well, mean, we I, still are in touch with many, many of them. As I look at it, we're probably the older ones now, aren't we? Well, I was talking, yeah, we are. I came in here when I was 14 years old. I'm 66 years old now. Um, but we met you know, we like were the, just the Deans and the Armstrongs. We were just talking to the Armstrongs the other day. But, and uh, we're still in touch on who's like who's sick and who's well. Right. You're like, you know, hearing about Sue Tuck and hearing about Liz mm -hmm. and, you know, Bob Dean's passing. You know, we're still in touch. It's it's still a family. But mm -hmm. I tell people over the years, I've told people that uh, I, I got the bug when I came here as a teenager. And uh, one of the things that, that really caught me was that you could, there's people from every step, every part of life here you can meet carpenters you can meet uh car mechanics you can meet doctors you can meet lawyers you can meet everybody from all walks of life and they're all here to enjoy the theater they're here to is e either as actors as technical folks as uh just sometimes it's just somebody to come in and help do a mailing or whatever um and you can you can take your friendship as far as you want. I mean, you, like Judy just said, we've got friends that we met here 40-some 40 40 years, years ago, 50 years ago, and we're still 
Like right. we got the email about Suchuk, and immediately we contacted other people to let them know. Mm-hmm. Because Suchuk is a st- was a staple here for years. Well, she was the president of the board. Mm-hmm. She was actually the one that hired Haskell. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, there's, like I said, it's, it's, it's as much a family as anything. Um, and there's, again, there's people from all walks of life, from... From, like I say, we met here and yeah, from student. And I can tell you other people who did too. <laughs> I know there have been a lot of like love connections that happened at Raleigh Little Theater. We don't ever promise that, but it's no, always no, a possibility. We <laughs> no, we don't. But but it's it's true. I mean, there is still a group of us that get you know, for years we've gotten together once a week to have dinner, mm-hmm. and and we and we just get together to see how every, everyone's doing. I think that I you know I, I love hearing you two say that. Um, because I think that, you know, doing the art and making the plays is, is really such a fun thing to do. But I do think, especially as a community theater, that it's the family and friends and the relationships that matter. And if, if we can be, if the plays and the classes and things like that are just a a platform for building community and relationships, I think we're doing a good job. And, I just want to thank you both for your time today and and it's hard to even know how to say an appropriate thank you for everything you've done for the theater and for all of us and we're so glad to have you in our community and all the blood sweat and tears yeah yeah i know there have been been here a long time yeah i mean that's is amazing and incredible and And we're grateful that we've always been backstage I know I love that part of the story. I do. I really do. I mean, aside from David's bow. Um, <laughs> I love that because I think you're right. And I, and I hope that people will really hear what you're saying, David, that um, there's a place for you no matter where you come from. Absolutely. And just because you start in the costume shop or the scene shop doesn't mean you have to stay there. You're, it's a perfect place for advancing. And, and I've, I've always felt I, as a kid, I was the shy kid and Judy claims to be the same. And the theater brought us both out. We're, I'm not sure I'm the best public speaker in the world, but I, at least I can do it if I need to. And being at the theater is, uh, has helped me uh, along the way to, to be able to do that. Hmm. And I, I would strongly encourage anybody who's thinking, should I go? Yes, please come to the theater. Well, there you have it, folks, straight from David's mouth. Please come to the theater. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did and that you are inspired by it and that you realize that coming to participate at RT is way more about relationships and community building than putting on great shows. Although great shows are a part of it, and we'll get back to that again in the future. In the meantime, stay connected with us. Uh, follow our social media accounts um, and reach out to us if you have questions or thoughts and we're hard at work preparing to bring uh, theater back to you in Raleigh Um, and of course a donation will always help us as well Uh, so thank you for listening and we'll see you soon